either self-guided or guided tours of museums. And while I, oh, hello, we got another cat cameo. Cat. How many cats are on this call? Well, three. there's technically three oh, available to us at any given moment. Welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I'm Blue, and I'm joined by Red. What's up? I haven't successfully lost my voice after spending three hours last night unplanned talking about all the media I've watched recently. So we're good. Everything's chill. Don't worry about it. Did you have fun? I did have fun. Okay, good. That's good. (laughs) And uh, we are joined by a very special guest today, Emperor Tigerstar. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's great to have you here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for exciting. those of our audience who would not uh, be aware of your channel already, uh, maybe did not catch you when you were on the um, big New Year's Eve uh, live stream a few months back, uh, could you briefly introduce yourself to uh, to our audience? Yeah, um, I'm Emperor Tiger Star. I do a channel. It kind of does two things. Uh, I mostly animate maps of history. So like Rise and Fall of Empires, Progression of Wars, things like that. And then sometimes I also just act like blue and just talk about really weird nerdy history stuff. Yes, good. Uh, those videos are always very fun. Uh, I had known your channel for uh, a good long while uh, because when I started making my own maps, I'm like, okay, what the hell did Venice look like in whatever? What did Rome look like in whatever year? And I'm like, map, history thing. And I found your channel among uh, among a, a, a small handful of others. Uh, there's a surprisingly active mapping community on YouTube. Um, it's but, really weird. Uh, <laughs> your channel was uh, was one that I, I very much enjoyed. And then uh, the first time that we actually properly crossed paths was um, a ways back when we did the, the Operation Odysseus thing with um, Griffin the Armchair Historian and I organizing a sort of like maritime history collab. And I remember, like, the big get was Griffin was like, I'm just going to ask, like, everybody I can find a Twitter handle for. And eventually it was like, oh, like, Ember Tiger Star is joining. I'm like, what? <laughs> for real? So that was very fun. Yeah, it was um, very so surreal. It's, it's very fun to, to have you here today. We're very excited to uh, to chat about that. Uh, we've all had some, some fun videos in the past handful of weeks. Um, uh, Red, would you want to talk uh, first, or, or should I go on the spot? Since I can go my first. I feel like days ago. Okay, I think you guys it. are probably going to have an easier segue than mine. So fair enough. <laughs> get fair the hard enough. one out of the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, if I'm not mistaken, my video in the last couple of weeks was the uh, Siberian folktale, the Sun Maiden, the Crescent Moon. Right? Yep. I'm not. Yep. Yes. That was good. The one. <laughs> awesome. Nailed it. Uh, yeah. It was. Um, it was an interesting one. Uh, the the book that uh, I got it from, Blue, you actually recommended to me. And I think yeah, Cyan recommended uh, it to you. Yeah, Cyan got the book um, like two years ago uh, at this point. And as she was reading through it, because she reads like some, some folklore books for fun. She's got a yeah. Japanese folklore book and a few others. She was like, Red should do a video on this. And then <laughs> uh, made sure that uh, I did not forget that Red needed to do a video on this. So eventually I started bullying you to do it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I skipped out the middleman by just sending you the book in yeah, the mail. Yeah, you sent me the book. I just sent you a book. copy of it. And you're like, oh, what's this? And I'm like, it's your next project. Uh, yeah. But no, um, it, was, uh, it, it, was, it was fun. And, and Sign was very satisfied to see that all kind of come together. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to oblige. Uh, yeah, I was reading through it. Uh, it's, as a collection of folktales, you know, some of them are really short, some of them are kind of dumb, and then some of them, like the one I covered in the video, are abjectly horrifying. And it was interesting because, of course, when I, you know, summarized it and read through it, I was like, yeah, this is pretty neat. But it didn't really occur to me how much of a just shocking swerve the tone takes about, yeah. like, midway through, because it's just a happy, fun little, oh, it's a supernatural romance, and then, by the way, your sister's super dead, and then it's just downhill from there. Brushed and, uh, off very casually, too. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> BT dubs uh, while you were away. <laughs> so, yeah. in case you missed it. Uh, that, is, that is one of the hallmarks of the, the, the Siberian family of folktales, is that, like, bad stuff can just kind of happen all the time. Like, it gets cold, people die. Yeah. Like, it's that that kind of just implicit tragedy is always simmering below the surface, which makes for fascinating stories where, you know, we're, we're used to coming from our kind of, like, you know, Western Mediterranean, you know, Greco-Roman, Egyptian, Norse canon. Like, we kind of assume that there has to be some kind of, like, justice or, or you know, <laughs> implicit happy uh, outcome in the stories. But uh, the reason that a lot of, I find the Siberian story so striking is because sometimes things just happen uh, for the same reason that I think people really liked Game of Thrones when it was first coming out of, like, sometimes bad shit just happens. Uh, yeah. And that makes the stories a lot more 
um, a lot more realistic, almost. Well, I don't know about like, realistic. Not, I think not, that the the but, difference um, between folklore and mythology in a lot of cases is that mythology is about gods and folklore is about people. And with Siberian folktales, that sometimes means, hey, you know, people die sometimes. And uh, the Sun Maiden is actually, she's a figure that pops up in some of the other uh, stories in that. I mean, you know, obviously a lot of those tales are from completely different people. I don't want to act like it's like a sort of pan-Siberian culture that we can treat as like a single unit. But uh, there are a lot of Sun Maidens, and uh, sometimes even they die. <laughs> uh, there was a story in there where one of the Sun Maidens, uh, she, she gives up her immortality and becomes a mortal uh, and uh, her two sisters try to seduce the guy she got together with, and, like, they turn into spooky evil witches, too, which leads to some interesting questions about what exactly a witch means in the context of Siberian folklore and Russian folklore in general, because it's like, so normally my opinion is that witches are, like, evil magic-using humans, but these witches seem more like eldritch abominations, and I'm kind of <laughs> curious about what that means. But it's, you know, it's it can't get more from the book than what's in the book, so... Um, but no, it was a very interesting story to get through. It was interesting trying to find ways to illustrate it that didn't break my uh, casually enforced no horrible gore policy. <laughs> um, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I opted for some tasteful silhouetting, which I think worked. No, uh, it, it did a good job. Yeah, and you know, any any excuse to draw nice astronomical starscapes is always fun for me because they're shockingly easy to make look good. So, you know, it makes my job simpler, so... Yeah, and yeah. also we had a, a fundraiser attached to this one uh, yes. following off of our um, History Summarize Ukraine uh, fundraiser, which raised over $40,000 plus um, ad revenue, uh, final number yet to be calculated. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get the numbers back on that later in the month. Yeah, um, mine but was a little less impressive, a, uh, but uh, it does. Uh, this one also has a fundraiser attached um, since it's kind of in the, the field of, of you know, um, <laughs> Russian-related uh, historical projects. Uh, we yeah. wanted to... Uh, make sure that we were uh, using the platform for, uh, for for more good work. So uh, if you have not donated and are of means to do so and would uh, have thought about it but maybe didn't end up taking the plunge, consider uh, donating. It'll be up for the next uh, month. Um, or just, you know, show your friends the video and the advertising revenue will, will go to that uh, fundraiser um, as well. So, yeah, that's a, a fun thing that we've been excited to be able to do is add little fundraisers and maybe we'll be able to do more things in the future with other related projects because the YouTube giving functionality is very robust. It's 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 a good system. It's it's new-ish. Yep. It's only been around for like a year or so, year or two, but it's really nice. Yeah, it's, it's really solid nice. integration. And they don't promote it as much as they should. <laughs> I mean, before that, we had to do a lot of weird stuff. We had to do like, yeah, the, yeah there's, yeah. Early there were other things. Early fundraisers were a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah, other sites had to do all the heavy lifting to integrate into YouTube, and then YouTube was yeah. like, oh, we can just do that on our end. And it's like, thank you, YouTube. We know. <laughs> we knew you could have made this easy, but yeah. very much appreciated. So yeah, uh, fun video. Had a lot of interesting times uh, polishing that script because I scripted the thing like a few months back when Russia was not a hot button issue so much. Script and then, came out, uh, you sent me the script in January. Yeah. I was yeah, like, Red, we gotta, we gotta make some adjustments here. Well, I'm yeah, sorry, buddy. <laughs> once, once March hit, I was like, hmm. And I kind of went back and I was like, all right, is there anything horrible <laughs> that I need? Like, did I drop anything that's immediately aged terribly? And uh, it was mostly okay, but I no, had to do okay, just a little adjusting. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're talking about something that is is in Russia, but it is culturally very much its own thing. Uh, um, yes, although you'd be yeah. forgiven for not knowing that if you listen to Russia about this stuff. <laughs> God. Let's Re not dig into that the anymore of and transition over to... Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about me now. Uh, so the past uh, other other non-spicy topics, the Crusades. Uh, <laughs> I had a, Actually, I, I had a very fun time with this video um, uh, doing a history of the Crusader states um, and the slow progression of them getting pushed further and further westward as they found it impossible to hold on to anything in the Levant. Um, talking wow. about Jerusalem, uh, Acre, uh, where my AC one fans at uh, Assassin's Creed One gang, uh, you know what's up, uh, and then Cyprus um, and uh, and Malta, and I, I enjoyed this. You know, it's a city minutes, so um, it's it's nice and quaint. I finally figured out how to do the transitions between them. Indigo very wisely suggested doing flip transitions instead of fades, which really helped keep the pace up while still signifying like this is a new thing. And I suggested um, using a sound effect for it. So yes, so it ended up. I I feel like I finally I finally got the hang of it. Uh, finally uh, got it going, but um. 
Yeah, uh, this video was, uh, it came at an interesting time because uh, as I, uh, the, the week that I was writing the script, um, I got COVID. Yeah. Uh, and I was able to finish the video, and then uh, I got COVID again, but I was able to uh, uh, pleasantly distract myself uh, by working on this video, so, so it was yeah. good. I, I, was, I was pleased uh, with how it turned out. Got yeah. to talk about uh, fun cities, uh, follow the progression of architecture from, like, Romanesque in Jerusalem to, like, Gothic in Cyprus, and then, like, full-blown Renaissance in Malta when we're, like, in the 15-1600s now. It's like, wow, times have changed since 1099 when we first uh, set foot uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, and yeah, I there's a lot of... Oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I appreciated the bit you added at the end where it's like, well, it's fun to focus on, you know, what the Crusaders were getting up to. We should also focus on, you know, all the people they displaced and killed and stuff like that. Because I, I remember when you first sent me the script, I was like, I have a question. What were the Jewish people doing around this time? And you were like, oh, it was a bad time. Should I mention that? And I was like, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, the thing is that the sources are so spotty on this mm. because we're, you know, we're told like right after, you know, Crusaders conquered Jerusalem, there was a policy that like, you know, anyone could come to, you know, to visit for pilgrimage or whatever, but like only Christians could settle and live there permanently. And this did include um, Eastern Orthodox, uh, Syriac, uh, Byzantine Christians, um, Coptic Christians, uh, like they were included, like Such they were diversity. chill. Uh, yeah, uh, but we also know that by the end of the Crusader Kingdom, like that policy was, you know, relaxed and loosened. Um, and there was much more of a, a multi-ethnic, multi-faith presence. But we have no idea what the timeline on that was like. So that's like a 200-year span, and we don't know if it's like, oh, yeah, you know, okay, they kicked everybody out in the beginning, and then like three years later, they all, you know, everyone was allowed back. We don't know, so we can't really say anything definitively either way, which sucks, because then it's like, you know, if I try to actually say anything, I am screwed, because if I imply, like, yeah, no, it was really bad, and everybody was was kicked out and never allowed back, it's like, that's, that's also not true, because, like, we do know that, like, people were allowed back. It doesn't, you know undo the fact that they were kicked out in the first place but uh, it's very difficult because the sources are clear at very specific time points and then super spotty for the rest of it so it's like ah yeah that's um, the history story as i understand yeah. it yeah the one thing i wanted to avoid was trying to paint the crusader states as functioning like a colony um because it's it's tempting and it's easy to think of them as working in very much the same way as like a settler colony um that like you know later colonial europeans were up to or even early like ancient greeks uh would do with the way that they did colonization it was a very different type of state um and if i were to do a longer video i'd be able to like explain the nuance in that but i wanted to show like it wasn't just, you know, simple, like, European colonialism story we've seen a thousand times. It was a lot more complex than that, but um, complexity probably better served by a much longer video. And I'm sure I'll get there eventually, but this was just a nice nice little, like, let's take a survey of, like, you know, the Crusader states over time, how it evolved, and when they realized, like, maybe this is stupid and we should just, like, you know... <laughs> Beata Maria, can we go to the Holy Lands to build churches? And Virgin Mary's like, no, what the fuck? You have churches at home. Jesus. Virgin Mary's like, you know I'm Jewish, right? <laughs> Sorry, are we not allowed to say that? <laughs> no, I mean, depends on, yeah, uh, str strictly speaking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Hey, yes, Cleo. <laughs> there are many strong opinions on this subject. I don't know if you guys heard that meow. Oh, I heard I, that meow. I, I, okay, good. Okay, we got that. Finally, a Cleo meow. Uh, that we don't have to ADR in like <laughs> Anyway. Oh, man. Um, it yeah, was, it was a, fun a fun video. video. It was small. I, I enjoyed it. But um, on the subject of, uh, of things moving around and, uh, and maps and such, uh, Tigerstar, um, your normal fare on the channel is, uh, is a handful of things where you use some mapping videos of like history of such and such, you know, people or place every year. But you also have some videos that are more you know, analytical in style, as you were explaining. Are there any uh, projects recent or upcoming that you'd want to uh, talk about? So there's a project I have technically been working on for like a year and a half, two years now. Mm. And Lord knows, I have no idea how much longer it's going to take. <laughs> but I am basically, uh, I've already done a map video over North America, but I'm making a newer one because the last one, like, I yeah, I included like the Aztec, the, the Maya, the the Iroquois and all that stuff but there was a lot that I just did not include and I'm like oh I, I should probably like <laughs> include the people who were there Polish first it, it seems yeah. like a good idea 
it, it just looks really awkward when like everything north of Mexico before the 1500s is just oh there's mm. the Iroquois and it's otherwise just blank <laughs> yeah and so I'm I've been like making timelines and stuff like that for various indigenous groups and over time and uh it keeps taking forever because I'll keep finding more and more and more. Hmm. It's like, huh, it turns out these societies were complex. <laughs> it evolved over time and there wow. were like hundreds of them. Yeah. So, uh, who knew? As the resident map plebeian in the group who has no idea how this process works, how do you actually go about like finding out what the ranges of these like populations were at different times? Because for me, I Google like map this era and then i find somebody else who's done all the hard work but like <laughs> how does this work for you guys oh it it really depends on um what kind of historical polity you're talking about and because the honest truth is even like whether we're talking about you know a, a tribe a kingdom it doesn't really matter what it is the further back you go the less of like a hard boundary there is anyway mm. Like you, you had rare examples of like Rome where it's like, oh, how convenient. We've got the Rhine and the Danube and this like yeah. tiny little, yeah, I don't know how long it is, like, <laughs> tw like 20 mile, it's probably longer, 20 mile line until they touch. That's a, it's, you know, that's a convenient yeah. hard border. Yeah. But then like, you know, if you're like in the middle of like the Great Plains, it's like, we move. <laughs> They, we're, we're, we're that tree over there to that tree over there. Well, I mean, yeah. I think yeah. it's people like drawing hard borders, but like life doesn't follow hard borders. Um, yeah. 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 And after after a certain point, um, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I guess I'll have to guesstimate. I guess yeah. I'll just have to make some sort of guess. And it feels wrong to say that. But then it's like it's a visual medium. It's like it. there's only so much you can do especially like in the case of the North America video, it's like, oh, tribal territory overlapped. Yeah. Mm, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna make my best respectable guess that I can. And um, it really sucks. And if you were to like buy like a, a historical atlas in like Barnes and Noble or something, um, usually what map historical maps would do is anything that's considered like a state like oh the roman empire or the united states or whatever they'll, they'll draw like the hard borders and they'll give it a color or whatever mm. but if it's like a nomadic tribe they'll have like a part of the map that is like assuming there's no state there it's like blank like no color and then they'll like write the name of whatever it is and like yeah. an italicized text and they'll like stretch it across so like they won't give it a hard boundary but they'll they're, like oh they'll write like the name like uh like the Cree in Canada, they'll write like C R E E spaced out over like like a blank Canada. Like they're yeah. a mountain range. What's going on? Well, yeah, because they're like that's we're kind not... of the the nomenclature, or not the nomenclature, but the um the, uh, the iconography. Uh, yeah, there, there's there's another word for it that I'm forgetting, yeah, but it's yeah, the uh, close enough. It's the the style of of like information conveyance that they're using. Yeah. Yeah, and like range is actually a good word because that's usually kind of what they're going for. They're like they populated this area like you know there, there, there's no hard border we're not even gonna bother like trying to like do that sort of thing and um i i have found working on this there are some indigenous groups who are like yeah i'm gonna have to do that because they they didn't even like believe in borders so that's just going to be the most accurate i can portray them yeah totally. portray them but then there are some that did kind of have more hard borders so like for example uh, the Haudenosaunee, which is the actual name of the Iroquois, when they started expanding after Europe had gotten there because of the Beaver Wars, yeah, they the, yeah, they they kind of like played <laughs> Europe's game by going, okay, we'll kind of get harder borders because that's how the game works now, mm -hmm. and so like whenever they would beat up a tribe around the Great Lakes, they'll make a deal like, okay, all of your territory, we're allowed to hunt here, it's ours, and they, you know, so those groups, it's a lot easier to get like a, like a hard border. And so with this video, I'm just trying to get the most accurate I can with the yeah. full knowledge that I will never be 100% accurate. And I'm just going to have to live with that failure for my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I mean, it's, you know, when, when you get into 
you know, it's like, okay, once the once the Europeans show up and they love nothing more than drawing lines in the in the woods and oh, in yeah. the fields and in the mountains, um, it becomes, you know, a lot easier to uh, run along with that. And then once it's like, okay, now we have, like, you know, Canada and the United States and Mexico exist as polities. Great. <laughs> There's yeah. minute changes every few years. Uh, I mean, that that's one of the reasons that um, I shifted to once I started doing my, my fancy Wonder Draft versions of all my maps, I, I basically went to, like, soft edge brush only yeah. for, for different um, political uh, map entities. And... If it's fuzzier, I use a, a softer edge brush, so there's more of a fade transition into nothingness. So that's what I was thinking. You know, it's thinking, like if, right? if I'm drawing, you know, like Roman Empire along the Danube and the Rhine, it's like okay, like I'll, I'll have it stop at the river, and then when it's like Roman Empire in North Africa, kind of like fading into the Sahara, use a pretty soft edge brush on that because we don't know where the hell that ended. So um, it's like, it's definitely a you game can... of like playing to your strengths and knowing like, okay, where do you, where do you have to quit and just guess? You know, you can yeah. use a color to delineate like they're in this general area. You know, I feel like it's not like the all or nothing of like either you stretch a title over it and you're like, there's somewhere up there. Fuck if I know what else is going on or like a hard edge border. And they never left this like 50 square miles. You know, I, I think soft edge brushes solve a lot of those problems. So. And, and Tiger Star, you do something that's a lot more complicated than what I do by uh, orders of magnitude, because when you're doing these maps, it's usually like every year or even sometimes smaller increments of time mm. uh, where you're, you know, you, it's not just, okay, you know, in 500 AD, it was this and 700 AD, it was this. And just like, you know, kind of hand wave what happens in between, like you're tracking every moment, every movement of all these different things. And that is tough. So um, before the, before the podcast, you were mentioning that sometimes you get to a point in time and realize like oh wait there's this like other entity that's been around for the past century that i was just working on i gotta go back and finish that that happens to me all the time where i'm i'm working on my maps and i get like you know um like five saved files deep uh or or more 10 15 sometimes and i'm like oh wait i i, I have this one thing in the wrong place like oh th this island was totally gone by that point uh you know the, the um the the, you know, um, Menorca, Mallorca were, oh, th th those were gone by the whatever hundreds, uh, that was, that was, um, the Umayyads now or whatever, um, and then I have to go back and, like, you know, redo it, yeah, so, um, it's, it's tricky, uh, it's, it's very fun because it's very visually satisfying to see all of that information just, like, flowing out, but, it is tough to get it to that point. <laughs> you mentioned islands. That's a very common thing where, like, you're working so hard on the political aspect of the map or the cultural aspect of the map, and then someone's like, you do know that that lake was a reservoir made in 1930, right? Uh... Yeah. Right. Or you do know that the Persian Gulf, like, went up further back then, right? It's like, of oh, course, everybody right. knows that. <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes I have to fix stuff like that too. And uh, uh, this is partial. This is one of the many reasons why I actually like animate my stuff with Microsoft Paint, because uh, so many like art programs, if it gets more complicated than pixel art, there's already like little things where it's like, oh, it takes five seconds to load one image, mm. but then like Paint is like instant. Yeah. And I've noticed whenever I've tried other programs, it's like, okay, I gotta open, type the name of the file copy paste my correction save and then it's like oh you have to fix 500 slides <laughs> like, ah. and then with pain it's at least like open click save open click save open click yeah, save no, open totally. click save Whoa. but then like if i were to try like photoshop or something it's like no well that, oh that would, you shouldn't that, use photoshop that would, anyway but yeah, yeah that would that, that would drive me nuts yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've gotten a lot of comments of like oh you know you sure you you deleted the suez canal but you still have like nasser it's like if i if i get rid of like nasser i have to i have to guess where the hell the borders of the nile actually were back then or like it's not you know i've fault. gotten commenters like oh you know those those islands in the netherlands like Super didn't exist back then. It was all just water. I'm like, I know, but you I know don't what? know what they look like. I think at that point, that's not even about you. That's about the commenter being like, I bet you didn't know this. And it's, you know, they're, they're, they're using you to gain internet points. It's not personal. It's yeah. just, you I know. Mean, it, it goes to show that maps are complicated. Um, and there's <laughs> a lot beyond, you know, like territories change. And we assume they're fixed things, but they're not. So um, before, we, uh, before we jump into the Q&A portion of the podcast... Um, Red, do we have anything to 
plug? <laughs> right now? Uh, I, I don't, don't think, think so. so. No. I think I think we're coming up on something exciting for the next time, but we're not quite there yet. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, huh, Tiger Star, okay. do you have any uh, upcoming videos that you'd like to plug, or anything else going on on your channel um, exciting merch. that you'd like to to point our audience to? Um, well, basically, uh, my video this week is going to kind of be a large part about the conversation we just had of just like every colonial map is wrong. <laughs> Yay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for that one. Perfect. We also did have a video about um, the, the historical country's iceberg that I watched last week and I found very interesting. Yes. So uh, uh, I should have had more. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, historian's more. work is literally never done. <laughs> never. No, it's, it's impossible. Never, never, never. <laughs> but if that's all that, we can uh, scoot along into the Q&A portion of the podcast. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first on a future episode. This first question comes from Chu Jung Yin. To Blue and Emperor Tiger Star, what is your favorite, for lack of a better word, bad history, either from Tiger Ooh. Star's Bad History series or something else? <laughs> I feel like you have an answer for this. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I know what it is. Is it 1436? I mean, that just takes the cake. Yeah, so it's much. gotta. So much. For those I who don't... don't know, Tiger Star, could yeah, you explain please. it? Because this, this is true <laughs> magical stupidity. <laughs> so... It's almost like a, a weird extended universe, sort of. Like, so yeah, that's what it feels long like. ago, in the year of 2004, there was a retired British Navy guy named Gavin Menzies. Although someone claims that it's not pronounced Menzies, it's some British thing. But I have not been told what the correct one is, so I'm just going to say Menzies. Huh, um, thanks, Internet. Tell you it's wrong, yeah. won't tell you yeah. what's right. He <laughs> took a trip with his wife to China and noticed, huh... This year of 1421 seems to be really popular. I'm noticing a lot of things written in Chinese mentioning 1421. And he decides to jump to this huge leap of, oh, China must have discovered America in 1421 without anyone noticing. What? Huh? How does that work? <laughs> and, like, and at first, like, at first, like, um, having read the book, there's admittedly a little bit of a draw where it's like, well, you know, they were exploring a lot of areas with their junk fleets at this time. Junk being the name of the ship, right. in case yeah. I'm not saying they're junk. They're actually Fucking quite beautiful. Trash garbage ships. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they're yeah, um, but they they were exploring a lot of like the Indian Ocean area with their fleets, and they had been across those years. But then, um, at one point, it was randomly the Chinese emperor was like no more period of isolation and then they destroyed the fleet and that was all over Jung so he, get your ass back in yeah and <laughs> you're going so nowhere there is this sort of like understandable intrigue of like oh how mysterious why would they do that and like well we don't know everything what if they had the time to visit x and we just don't know about it yet and they went as far as like like tanzania and africa so like they they're pretty far distances so at first you think like oh Maybe they did, like, visit the coast of California and not realize something, how, where they were at and go back or something. But then he takes it further. It's like, no, uh, they went to Mexico. They made a few colonies there. He had this whole chapter of, like, uh, uh, of, like, uh, chicken DNA. I'm just like, so I've noticed that, like, a lot of chickens in, uh, in Mexico and Peru seem to have a lot of common DNA with Chinese chickens. Because they're chickens. Things like, you know, that like these areas have been like trading back and forth various things for like centuries now, right? It's pretty reasonable that at some point after the Americas were found by Europe, a Chinese chicken was traded into South America at some point. That's it's like, why are you? It's, it's really no, 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 chicken DNA, chicken DNA. Yeah, you're I, thinking I too hard. It's chicken DNA. I know, and that, and that doesn't Jurassic even, Park. and that doesn't even get into the really dodgy like borderline or solid racism of like people DNA where it's like have oh, you noticed no. that like the DNA of like Mexicans is like very Asian okay ah! uh, <laughs> I'm sk- I am skipping that and uh the, his, his sourcing was like really bad like there were a few sources where he's like oh the work of my colleague okay and title uh Name? DOI anything Who? no yeah. okay my 
my favorite part was probably the the Roanoke um, story. That never oh. goes well. Oh, oh, oh I'll, that's got to be the there. best part. Okay, I'll I don't, I don't want to rush you, but I do want to make sure that we touch that one because that is we will we the will biggest bullshit in the whole book as Big, far as I'm concerned. Biggest, because uh, like this is this is just the first book. What? And There's more than one. Yes. <laughs> How because... far can they stretch? I think China saw America once and then left. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, there, there's also like a chapter about like, oh, I found proof. I found a map, a, a Chinese made map that includes the Americas. And it's and I've dated it to before Columbus. Therefore, it's confirmed China did it. Uh, it later turned out to be a forgery in a gift shop. But Obviously. Of course, he never admits <laughs> to that. But, um, you know, so I this found bo- this for twenty ninety nine. And what's notable about that map is, um, you know, at first it's like, OK, like China's in the middle. It's got, you know, Chinese characters written everywhere. And it, you see a shape that looks like North and South America. But they made the mistake of still showing like Baja, California as an island, which if you've ever seen on like old colonial maps of North America, they'll show Baja, California as an island because coming from east the east they it went up like... that area and they're like ah, it's probably an island and then they just went back right so if you would have gone from the west like china would have there is no way you would have mistaken baja california for an island yeah it's just solid coastline yeah it's but that mm-hmm. yeah but that map had that mistake in there because they thought "Ooh, yeah. this is very 1700s ish yeah, or whatever exactly. like it yeah but this book he he publishes it and it actually makes like the New York Times bestseller, oh, like top ten. This is like, yeah. yeah, it's like 2004. So it's just really, it's just really popular, and uh, he does like a like a circuit show of like, yes, and here is all the evidence I have found, and everyone's like, uh, this mm. this doesn't seem right. Doubt. But we already <laughs> bought the book, so oh well. Yeah. And but naturally, he tries to make a second book, Obviously. and he does the thing of like, oh. Oh, you, you academics, you, you critique my sourcing, but the people are on my side and that's what matters. In academia, of course. Yeah, Yeah, they're ivory tower. Um, So he makes- When they try to convince us that Suicide Squad was a good movie, it's not gonna work here. (laughs) (laughs) My gosh. Wow. He he does a second book called Uh 1434. Uh-huh. And uh, I had to tell Blue about this book in particular because this one, he's like, okay, so China discovering America, that's nothing, bitch. Here's what they actually, <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you what really happened. Uh, you know that thing called the Renaissance in Italy? That's right. Oh, China did it. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he, he claims that not only did China find time to explore the Americas, because I should also add, he included South America in there, but didn't talk about oh, it much. He just said that they did. Yeah, like, sure. Not only did they, though. not only did they find the Americas and come back and just not write it down anywhere. Oh yeah, because you know. China, of all civilizations, is known for not taking diligent records of shit. <laughs> it, it, exactly. China, a country where we know where a volcano erupted, like halfway around the world, because they recorded that there were weird droughts and like blights that year. Yeah. Yeah, like it's tied to a a large system of bureaucrats that is rigidly recorded. Yeah, yeah. I think every single one of them just forgot to write down that they discovered two whole new continents and a fuck ton of people. Yeah, and and then they inspired the Italian Renaissance somehow. (laughs) You know, on a Tuesday. He kind of does the whole thing like, well, they mysteriously stopped exploring. Perhaps there's some like weird conspiracy of the emperor being like, no, we must pretend this never happened. Destroy the records or what? <laughs> you know, you know. He wants to be an uncharted like, uh, so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but so, but he's already claiming all that, and he's like, oh, so uh, for 1434, uh, they also managed to send another junk fleet all the way up to Italy, and mm-hmm. the Italians were so inspired inspired and impressed that they just spontaneously had a renaissance that no build up nothing they were so impressed by china that they started relearning greek and roman scholarship is this guy basically (laughs) just like the the china equivalent of a super hardcore weeb who's like the the true pinnacle of civilization (laughs) it's like the the same genre but remixed slightly Yeah. yeah 
And it's like, like an inverse ancient aliens where like mm-hmm. instead of like anything that wasn't white people was aliens, it's like anything that wasn't China was China. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, gotta, basically. I, I wanna just say that like when I heard, oh yeah, China did a lot of exploring with this cool fleet and then they just randomly burned all the boats and stopped, my thought was, so they found relay is what you're saying. <laughs> so they awoke something sleeping and terrible and were like, oh fuck, and put it back. I think that would be a fun little urban fantasy concept. This guy was like, no, hear me out. It yeah. was so cal. <laughs> the, the, one, the one part that really struck me more than anything else was the implication that, uh, uh, the Roanoke colony was actually uh, made by Croatians, was it? Yes. All Croatians. Yes. <laughs> and then, here's and how that probably happens. Transition off, but th- uh. this last bit is just too funny. Yeah. Here, here's how that happens. So you're thinking, well, okay. So how did they get there if there was no Suez Canal? Like, did they just go the long way around Africa? Yeah. Which would course. make no sense because, and here's the key thing here: Gavin, or not Gavin Menzies, uh, Jean he dies like the year that this supposed trip happened according to him uh-huh. like he did actually die that year but the year he claims the trip happened right. so you're thinking okay so he must they must be really rushed for time it took him like <laughs> a year and a half granted with stops but it took him a year and a half to reach tanzania so there's no way they would have enough time to go all the way around africa and all the way back to china because we know that Zhang he died in china like there's records of him like celebrating his arrival back home those and couldn't then, like, be falsified? Dropping dead five Ridiculous. Minutes later. <laughs> it, yeah, like, I actually think he even spent, like, half a year at least in China, because they mentioned he was, like, in, like, some fort in Nanjing and died there or something. Okay. But, like, but I, either way, it's like, okay, there weren't half, but there's no Suez Canal, so how would they cut out that time? And so he brings up the Canal of the Pharaohs, which is, like, the ancient sort of Suez Canal, where it's like, okay, we're going to connect this part of the Nile to this part of the Red Sea, and that's kind of like the old Suez Canal. But that had, like, dried up from literal and purposeful disuse in, like, the 700s, I want to say. It would have been a while since that was (laughs) actively used. (laughs) Yeah, it was literally like, oh, uh, it was like this one, like, Muslim dynasty was like, oh, there's this rebellion, so I'm going to, like, cut off the canal and, like, economically starve them out. And then they just never bothered reusing it again, and then it just dried up and over time got refilled and things like that but he claims no that's just a conspiracy oh my god <laughs> that canal was in use for them they 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 just re they just used that canal it was totally there 700 years after it dried up and they they took their junk fleet and they went down the nile through alexandra and no one in egypt during one of its most vibrant moments ever bothered to note hey here are some ships from the other side of the world that's not something you see every day (laughs) then they just pass through egypt like nothing had happened most normal thing in the world and then they uh supposedly went to uh um it's the modern day city of dubrovnik but back then it was called ragusa and Mm, they 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 went there and they traded a bunch of things and supposedly they gave the maps of like oh by the way we discovered this place called america here you go oh, oh. It, sure. it, it's almost it's almost like when you're watching a show and it calls back to like uh, some some lore to prove something like <gasps> they referenced the map or oh, whatever brought you it know? full circle <laughs> yeah uh wow drops off the map yep. and he just in this random like half page tangent he's like by the way those croatians they were inspired by that map and they went to america and you know that place called Roanoke? Oh, crap. That's right. Remember remember when the colonists disappeared and they wrote Croatan on the tree? Well, they just misspelled Croatian, baby. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's what, you you know, when yeah. you're carving it in wood and you just, you know, the knife slips and you're like, well, I can't spell Croatian now. <laughs> Ignoring the fact that the just Croatan are an actual Native American tribe. Right, with uh, genetic markers exist, that imply that yeah. perhaps yeah. the people who were white people there went there and then you know, join the population. Yeah, like it, it's not, it's not even like the Croatan tribe, like went extinct after a while. It's like, no, no they're still here. They're, they're still it's here. It's not a mystery yeah. at this point. We straight up know what happened to the it's, Roanoke colony. Their descendants exactly. are in Croatan. <laughs> exactly. This, this touches on the flavor of bad history. That's just, it, it is magical stupidity and it's impressively bad, mm-hmm. which I'll, I'll quickly say that the two ones that I hate are, are ones that I hate for the same reason, which is hmm. Rome didn't exist. 
Oh, yeah. A whole thing. And then the phantom time theory that, like, between 476 and, like, 1000 AD, like, nothing happened. Which I hate both of those because it is insulting Mm. uh, to the actual civilizations that actively had their own, like, you know, accomplishments and lives and things. Like, yeah, let's just, like, like, fuck Scandinavia, am I right? Like, the Vikings, like, Islamic Golden Age? Like, yeah, no, fuck all that. Phantom time. Between the fall of Rome and, like, the Crusades, nothing happened at all. Sorry, gang. Sorry. So that's just what I hate about this. Is it's, it's so insulting to the people who were actually there and actually participated in history, which is yeah. why I hate it. So I feel like we should probably move mm-hmm. on, but uh, yeah. it, there's a lot. There's a lot to dig into with like the truly baddest of the bad history. That was yeah. See, wild. I haven't even gotten to the Renaissance part yet. There's just so much in this ah! book. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like have a video on this. We can yeah, link your video it. on this one. Yeah, this guy yeah. would be happier if he just realized he was writing historical spec fic and then just leaned into it and like made up actually interesting characters rather than like what if. <laughs> but you miss the self-righteousness. Uh, <laughs> yes. yes. Well, for anyway, something that is uh... infinitely less complicated, here's another question. This one Yay. comes from Shortstop. To Emperor Tigerstar, is your name based on the Warrior Cat series? If it isn't, what was the origin for the name? This is a question I get more than any other question. And no matter how many times I answer it, I will always get this question. Uh, yes, because yay. I started my channel... In 2009, at the wow, at the, wow. at the 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 ripe young age of 13, Whoa. when I was you know a middle schooler reading <laughs> edgy middle school books about fighting <laughs> cats, mm-hmm. and like oh this weird, really evil, awful character named Tiger Star. I'm 13, so that's edgy and cool. That's <laughs> uh, me, I, baby. <laughs> yeah, to- totally. I want to conquer four clans of cats and do a, like, a really horrible murder spree. That's totally me. In another uh, life, this could have been Emperor Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> that is scary. Hold on, let me just quickly right. delete a couple of the cats. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I literally just added Emperor in front of it because I'm like, I'm giving myself a title. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and then I just made my videos because I was bored, and then they took off. It's like, oh, I guess like brand recognition. I probably shouldn't ever change it. Okay, I'm stuck yeah. with it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. brand recognition yeah. is truly a, a beast of which you have no control after a certain point. But uh, it's incredible. Good to know. Good to know we have the Warrior Cats Kids gang is assembling. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> This next question comes from Bashwa to all. Much like Blue hating his trips to Greece, did any of you take any trips that you definitely did not appreciate because you were a kid at the time? I'm glad so many people shared my experience of like, yeah, (laughs) like, it doesn't matter what magnificent wonder of the world you get taken to every year, every day of your life when you're young. It's because you're stuck with it and you don't appreciate it because you don't understand why it means. All you know is that you have to go there all the time. You're going to hate it. Of course you're going to hate it. So I I appreciate that some other people uh, were were of... of uh, uh, having been in a similar boat uh, and could commiserate. <laughs> For me, it was Niagara Falls. Our road mm. trips uh. took us right past it, like, almost every year. And it's beautiful. It's a great spot. Uh, there are a ton of really nice hotels with great views. Uh, but it's a big hole in the ground that water goes into. It's really not that much going on. And if you're not interested in gambling or a Spider-Man museum, there's fuck all to do. So like, I have that at home, and it's called a sink. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like cool-ish, but you know, if you're if you're just there, you know, it's like, yep, okay. I don't mm-hmm. think the water is going to be doing anything particularly interesting anytime soon. So I think I'm good. Let's go get ice cream. So that I was, do yeah. have a family friend who um, famously was able to convince his mother that to save on water, they turn the falls off at night. Oh. And she believed it and told her <laughs> friends, and then her friends said. Um, <laughs> no. So my my dad's good friend uh, from from work uh, for many, many years, one day got a call from his mom, and, and this guy's Welsh, and uh, in a very thick Welsh accent, he hears, you bastard. <laughs> 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 and then she chews out her son for having convinced her that they turn off Niagara Falls at night to save water. Incredible. <laughs> oh. uh, my mom always really liked to go on, like, either self-guided or guided tours of museums. And while I, oh, hello, we got another cat cameo. Cat. How many cats are on this call? Well, three. there's technically three well, available to us at any given moment. My cat, my cat is like notoriously shy. So like uh, if, if she sees that I'm probably gonna pick her up, she's gonna be like, what are you doing? Get away from me. <laughs> Nightmare. Or whatever. I think Ziggy's asleep in my laundry bin, so I'm not Good. gonna disturb her. I don't think she's, she's gonna get closer to my cat. Yes. 
Anyway, but, uh, uh, but yeah, so my mom was a big, uh, really big on the tour parts of museums. And I, I liked going to museums as a kid because a lot of the ones we were going to were fun. Franklin Institute in Philly absolutely slaps. But if there was one thing I hated, it was having to sit through the tours. So I'm like, I just want to explore on my own. And I don't want this like old man to tell me about whatever this like stick is. And so that was probably the closest thing I got to it as a kid. Because yeah. generally, like, I like going places. I like seeing stuff. But that those tours broke me a little yeah. bit yeah it's amazing how Especially much a bad tour guide can ruin an experience i don't know <laughs> even if the no tour guide to the good. tour guides either because yeah. i'm sure they were fine i was just like seven and just wanted to go uh, you know, yeah. wild, you know? if you're a kid and it's like i'm taking you to a building full of very exciting and interesting things and then i'm yeah. going to point you at very specific objects and keep you there until i'm satisfied and it's like all right i could kill you right now and feel nothing so mm-hmm, yeah <laughs> Uh, the only place that I think truly now in hindsight lived up to that vibe of like this actually might be the worst tour I've ever been on was the U.S. Mint in Philadelphia. If you were doing a, a selection of US historical sites and or places of interest in Philadelphia, don't go to the Mint. You just walk through a windowless hallway and then when you're done, they give you a special penny and that's it. It's, te- it's this is... I. This is the thing I believe firmest of all. It's, I will rail well, against the Philadelphia Mint Philly rage. Tour. Oh, oh anger. God. What's up? Tiger Star, what about you? Yeah. Well, I didn't really go on like that many like uh, far trips as a kid because like I live in Missouri and so often mm-hmm. it was more like, oh, it's summer. Let's take a trip to St. Louis or Kansas City, which has a lot of fun things there, like the arch or the art museums or the history museums there. But uh, Kansas City actually has a really good World War One museum, which I highly recommend. Hmm. Um, but in terms of like far away trips... I didn't even leave the country as a kid. So like the, the two mm-hmm. furthest away trips, it was like once to Disney World when I was like five, Ooh. which I was only watching Lion King, Aladdin and Toy Story. So I definitely didn't underappreciate that trip. <laughs> like, oh, I, I got to I got to hug like a guy dressed up as Woody. I'm, I'm the happiest five year old <laughs> on the planet or whatever. I'm set. Yes. Yeah. And then there's a there's a place in Illinois called metropolis and naturally metropolis illinois has a superman museum well obviously yeah and it's got like stuff from like the the christopher reeve superman movies which i was also obsessed with as a kid so it's like oh it's the it's the black suit that general zod wore this is so cool (laughs) or like oh it's the little crystal ship that he flew away in that looks like a crumpled up piece of aluminum foil that's really cool And things like that. So oh, ideal. I guess I don't have one because the two far away trips I took as a kid, I'm like, no, I, five-year-old, 10-year-old me was really happy about those I trips. I feel like you won. Yeah. I feel like yeah. you got the good end of the yeah. deal on this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lowered expectations may, makes like, oh, crumpled up aluminum foil from a movie. This is the best ever. There's like yeah, some scriptwriter was finishing his burrito. It's like, okay, I'll toss this foil away. And then the art director is like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> How much joy it caused. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, too, because, like, I also didn't really travel much outside of the greater Pennsylvania and or New Jersey area. Like, our big trip any given year was going to drive an hour to go to the beach for, like, a couple days. Um, And I think that that might have been part of why I don't think I have anything better to say than, like, tours were sometimes boring. Because, like, we didn't go anywhere to not appreciate. And now I've grown up and have perspective and also get to choose my vacation, so it's changed. But uh, it's it's always fun to hear, like tragic vacation stories i don't know <laughs> well i think it's just like when you're a kid you know overexposure to almost anything will get old like yeah. you know I, I feel like a lot of those museums wouldn't have been as fun if you went every year exactly and like it, it never changed and you had to stay there for a certain amount of time like that'll make almost any experience unfun no matter how much you liked mm-hmm. it the first time and that that's you know that's not the fault of the location it's just you know it's just how it goes yeah being a kid yeah yeah uh but this next question comes from nico Two blue and emperor tiger star favorite and least favorite map projections. So I use um, mnemonic uh, for almost all of my maps on the channel because at the like distances that I use, it's a good balance of um, like accurate shapes of places but you still can get a pretty wide view um so i use it for like 
anything that's basically like smaller than the continent scale is, is perfectly fine. Uh, you don't really get a lot of warping or distortion, um, even if you kind of start to zoom out a little bit more. Um, so mm. I like that one. Um, I probably do not have enough of the like cartographic know-how to explain like why it's better than the other ones. I just kind of just kind of like the way it looks. Mm. Um, that's all I need. I don't know about least mm. favorite though. I mean, it's like you know, everyone shits on Mercator. Um, <laughs> there are worse. <laughs> There are worse. Oh, there are so many. There I'm looking at a worse. list right now. There are many worse. <laughs> Call Peters, you little son of a... <laughs> I don't know. What about you? A favorite uh, projection? So I've got three answers for that based on okay. three. <laughs> uh, there is the the Vinkel triple projection, which that is the projection that National Geographic uses for their world maps. And the reason why they use that is with a map, it's and when it comes to projection it's like okay it's either going to be a more accurate shape or a more accurate size and so like you know mercator does the shape and then like you know a globe i guess is like the perfect size so then it's like the compromise of like which one you'd choose and the vinkel triple map is like the mathematical center Mm. like they they literally did like a mathematical formula like 50% area, 50% shape. It's perfect. Uh, yeah. Yep. And which is why National Geographic uses it. So I feel like I'd say, okay, that is objectively the best one we're going to get <laughs> aside from a globe. So it's like, it, yeah, true. I, I have to acknowledge that. But my, my personal favorite normal one is the Robinson, which you've probably seen it. It's basically kind of just like the weird, like oval where it's like, has got some straight lines at the top. It, it's fairly common. I just think it looks the best. And then my favorite silly projection, because there's a lot of really silly random projections there that they are. Make. There's one called the, I forget if it's Waterman or Wasserman. Yep. It's the Waterman it's the butterfly, butterfly projection. Map. And it's yes. my favorite. <laughs> I'm yes. so glad you brought it up. Yes. And for those who don't know, it, look imagine, it up right now. <laughs> imagine like, it's like, um, have you ever like played a board game where like you add onto the board, like different mm-hmm. squares based on where you explore? Yep. Imagine kind of like that, but with the world, and it unfolds into like the shape of a butterfly. And then they have this weird like, like I guess like it's supposed to be butterfly poop like for like Antarctica or whatever. It's you actually know? very just... uh, it, it like distance wise, it actually handles things pretty well because instead yeah. of trying to like the big problem with trying to project a sphere onto a flat space is something is going to end up stretched, but the butterfly projection cuts it into rough triangle shapes yeah. basically. So instead of having basically, you just end up with large stretches of ocean where it's like there's a lot of blank white space between these two points, but they're right next to each other in real life. But we don't care. It's the ocean. Whatever. So. And it looks like a butterfly. And it looks like a butterfly. It's objectively the best one. Australia and, I'm tired of and about New Zealand people. are like, help, where did you go? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll the, be fine. And like the worst one, though. I mean, I do think Mercator, like there are reasons to shit upon it. I don't think it's the worst. It still at it's least has a use if you're like exploring yeah. the seas and you don't have GPS yet. Yeah. So... Gall Peters is very annoying because it's like, okay, we're going to do the opposite and just like squish everything near the top and bottom which i don't really like because there's a lot of things near the top and the bottom it makes it very hard to read shapes are all yeah. wrong just those yes. look right it's got, it's so it's got the too tall. they yeah. took scandinavia yeah. and crushed it like a soda can it's terrible <laughs> it's but like a funhouse mirror version of the real world yeah. actually yeah that, that's a really good comparison it is literally yeah. like a funhouse thing but i would have to give it to the i think it's called the good homolocene if you've probably heard this line before, like, well, you see, children, you can't actually make a perfect map. If you were to take the Earth and flatten it, it would be like flattening an orange peel. And someone's oh, like, found it. It's oh, so gross. I'm going to draw an orange peel. Yeah, it literally the, looks like an orange peel. Ripped up the beach ball. Why map. is it lumpy? Um, it's not even symmetrical. Why would they I do know. this? <laughs> there is there is nothing pleasing about it other than the fact they could say, huh. That's right. I gave the most smart Alec answer I could, and I squished an orange and drew a map on it. Like, and I okay. like how like they try so hard not to cut off any land masses, which is why it's all asymmetrical and gross. Except Greenland is just split down the middle because fuck yeah. it, right? <laughs> you know, it's just fuck you. Unzips your Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a what a mess. Oh, what a wild and crazy world yeah. we live in. Oh, so many bad maps, so little time. So this next question comes from Cheese Apologist, she, her, to all. What do you personally do to recharge yourself on a day off? 
day or on an off, off day the fuck are those oh <laughs> I know, well, I an say. off day i understand um <laughs> <laughs> yeah off day day off i don't you got the words backwards yeah yeah, yeah. Um, uh oh man it really depends on the day uh i've gotten better at doing things like going outside and taking walks and absorbing nature because why the fuck would i think about that when i have a perfectly good television set and a comfy couch and you know stuff like that um <laughs> but uh to like fully recharge i'll sometimes like i i guess the problem is there are a lot of different ways to need recharging and what i yeah. do changes depending on what exactly kind of off day i'm having uh so it's just kind of like i have a large rotating like mental binder of just things that i do that i enjoy that are good to recharge different parts of my yeah, brain I, I think if i were to divide it into three the three different things that you could need is like social recharging psychological like rejuvenation and then just like straight up rest and mm -hmm. those three are very different types of recharging that require very different things that's funny so, because like, mine are none if, of, nowhere in those categories okay yeah. uh, at least those are what that's what it is for me so a lot of the time what i need is just to like go outside and take like an hour long walk to just like think and then usually i get like a million ideas at once that it's like ah yes this problem that's been causing me stress and ache for for days or weeks or months is like okay here's an answer in a flash of light thank yep. you hour long walk um but if i'm tired or i want to talk to people that doesn't help me. <laughs> so it, it depends. Uh, yeah. You gotta, gotta strategize, gotta be uh, specific. So I, I like walks. Um, playing D&D uh, um, uh, &D was great in the days that we could do that. Um, but uh, I am terrible at online D&D because hmm. uh, I can never tell who's talking. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then sometimes, uh, begrudgingly, I actually will sit and rest. <laughs> it rarely happens, but sometimes I do it. I, like yeah. I'll, I'll read a book or I'll just play a game. Uh, you know, I've been playing a lot of Kerbo lately. Kirby, <laughs> Forgotten Lands, loving that. Um, <laughs> Post-apocalyptic yeah. Kirby. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, it, you know, it really depends for me. The problem I mostly run into is that when I'm in the zone working on stuff, I get stuck in it and I don't notice that I, like, need food or to move my legs once in seven hours and stuff like that. So once I kind of finish that or, like, I unhook my brain from that, a lot of what I need to do is, like, all right, let's 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 eat some food. Let's lie on the floor for a second so my legs remember how to work, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but sometimes I run into the problem of, like, I just finished a chunk of something and my brain's let it go and now I don't mm. know what to do with myself. And when that happens, what I usually think of it as, like, is, like, You've got a creativity gas tank and it's empty and you need to refill it before you can make any more progress. And the way you refill it depends on who you are, what day it is, how you're feeling, what exact kind of project you're working on. It's a very convoluted process. So sometimes what I do is like I'll sit down and I'll binge watch a new show. Sometimes I'll sit down and binge watch an old show. Sometimes I'll do a bad movie night because I can get a lot out of dissecting something that really doesn't work because... If it's bad, you can see the factory seams, and then you can figure out how they put it together, which is very <laughs> interesting. Uh, but sometimes I need to just do nothing like that. So sometimes it'll be like, maybe I'll try playing some music. Maybe I'll go for a walk and photograph space through a telescope. I don't know. Um, maybe I'll plan something completely unrelated or work on a different art project. And it's there's no one answer for me. And a lot of the time, I don't know what will work before I figure... Like, I'll start trying things and I'm like, that doesn't feel right. Maybe I'll bake something. No, that doesn't feel right. Maybe I'll sit down. No, that doesn't feel right. It's a huge pain in the ass, really. So, um, yeah. yeah, strategy might be a strong word for what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get a lot of time to do just what I want, just by the nature of the various jobs that I have both taken on and made for myself. <laughs> um, so I tend to do more things more along the lines of like lighting a candle while I work and just hoping that somehow the scent of plum from it will make me feel more relaxed or like making a nicer beverage than usual, whether that's like coffee or alcohol or whatever, just like trying to make the process of working a little bit smoother or feel more like luxurious. Because yeah. um, I just don't have time to do other stuff. So it's right. like, okay, you got to make it work around making everything else work <laughs> and for the most part it's fine um now that i have a cat sometimes that means like just spending five minutes when ziggy uh interrupts whatever the process is by jumping up on my lap and being like okay i guess it's cat time for five minutes and this is going to be a break we're gonna we're gonna have cat time that's that's pretty chill perfect <laughs> yeah once in a blue moon i'm able to take like a 30 minute nap which is nice the other thing i do if it's more of just i'm not tired i'm just exhausted um there's a website called Conquer Club and it's like online risk and it's got like different map types. So of course like, oh, Napoleonic Europe risk, 
well. <laughs> that'll that'll entertain me for a while. And then if I want something in the background to just kind of like lift up my spirits a little bit while I'm working to keep me going, there is a guy, he's on both Twitch and YouTube. Um, lately, I've been watching a guy named Kit Boga, and he is like a scam baiter. So like the, oh. like the... Like the call centers in like India or wherever that like try to scam your grandma out of her money. Right. He has a setup where he will alter his voice and he'll play like a fake grandparent character. And his goal is to waste their time as long as possible so they're not scamming someone else. <laughs> That's so it, funny. And uh, granted, sometimes it'll happen across multiple days. So like they'll hang up and they'll call again mm-hmm. later. Uh, but mm-hmm. like his record is like 38 hours of like oh collective... God phone calls together oh, god that's good yeah and he'll like drive them nuts of like doing various things because it eventually turns into like a sunk cost fallacy thing of like we've invested 12 hours trying to scam this old man and we have failed we can't stop now we gotta yeah wow. yeah god, and that's good that's his, good his most recent one he uh pretended to be like a, a quote-unquote smart ai it's like <laughs> hello how can i help you today you can tell me things like transfer all of your money <laughs> or you know like things like that oh, that like i'm normal yeah uh but you know really entertaining it, it it lifts your spirits that he is doing something good he's basically going batman on them but yeah. then it's also just really funny that his characters are so wonderful yeah yeah all right so we're coming up on time for the podcast we got about one last little question here before we're gonna have to sign off so as yeah. usual red you know the drill get ready uh, this Never. question comes from Emperor Tremere to all through wibbly wobbly timey wimey. A historical figure comes through time to become your mentor, and because they have no place to crash and need a roommate, who is your historic pal in this crazy sitcom? So you get you get a you get a mentor from all of history. Who do who do you want to come and teach you the ways of whatever? Hmm. I think I've gone on record before that I want to be buds with Machiavelli. Yes. Um, yes. Several that times. feels right. Yeah. 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 That's that's gotta be my answer. I'm sure I can elaborate on that more, but it's like okay. So scholarship has really improved since the 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 late 1400s, early 1500s. Let me show you all this cool shit we found out. You want to mm-hmm. know how we learned about the Roman economy by studying like fucking carbon uh, particles in like Greenland's ice. Because we do, and now we know. Like we have a proxy for Roman industrial output. And he's gonna be yeah. like. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Why are you not conquering the world? <laughs> <laughs> it's already yeah. taken. Um, He'll be thrilled that Italy is a unified country again and it's not getting its shit pushed in constantly by like the Holy Roman Empire in France. <laughs> oh good. Glad good good for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know uh, enough historical figures. All of my answers are the basic bitch answers. <laughs> Be I'm basic, not interested then. in conquering the world, so that eliminates so many of them. I feel like I there were a lot. The hijinks. Yeah. Yeah, like there'd be a lot that I'd want to talk to, but I but mentor just almost seems too strong. It's like, hey, Otto von Bismarck, do you want me to teach you how to European politic seven two hundred years ago? <laughs> no. I'm just. But I can show you what yeah. European politics are like now, or, or something I mean, like to, that. But to be basic on me, and I do think I would like to have William Shakespeare as a mentor, if only because as a fellow entertainment industry professional, I feel like we could really work together well. I think, you know, we could bring in some of those old styles of, like, Like Taking Here's to some Broadway plays, play. be like, all right, all right, Bill, yeah. what do you think? All right, Bill. <laughs> what are your critiques? <laughs> yeah, bring me your critiques. Let's talk about notes. I'll set up some meetings. We can, like try and network a bit and have a whole revival going on um i would love to she uh to to see shakespeare's <laughs> like theater criticism youtube channel like oh, overall God. he'd be he'd be positive but like you know he'd have some good barbs uh for, oh, yeah. for at least uh a, a one, one per play oh absolutely mm-hmm. i'm just some of these guys i'm like how would they cope with suddenly being ripped out of, you know, the the timeline where they had all their hopes and dreams? And, like, what the <laughs> fuck would Alexander the Great do if, like, right before he dies... Probably become just, a like, streamer or something. <laughs> well, the question is, like, if his ambition is to conquer the world, but now the world is a lot bigger and more complicated and better mapped and also mostly occupied, it's like, what does he do now? <laughs> like He conquers what? the creator economy. He becomes the new... <laughs> <laughs> goes viral on TikTok. I don't know. I I'm, like I'm just cu- And it's like, you know, what if you get, like, 
Joan of Arc, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that was a troubled 14-year-old girl liberating France and dying horribly. It's like, what if you get her out of there? What is she doing now? <laughs> personally strangle <laughs> Boris Johnson to death herself. <laughs> All right, I'm sold. <laughs> and it's not going to be a mentor situation. It's more like I'm trying to rehome a feral cat, but I think it'd go great. Okay, there are Joan, many types he's of that mentors. way. <laughs> <laughs> Just show her, like, clone high and watch her be very confused. And I was never a clone you, high kid. You said I was a goth teenager, but the goths were, no, 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 different kind of goth. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I was never a clone high kid. I'd probably just get her into X-Men Evolution. <laughs> oh, mood. That's a much better choice, actually. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I could kind of show her Rogue and be like, so if you want a makeover. <laughs> anyway. Everyone, everyone says, like, oh, the 90s X-Men, it's got, like, the coolest things on. Like, look, that's fine. Yeah, but X-Men honestly. Evolution, though. Yeah, don't sleep on it. It's no yeah, day, but we that was the one so where good. everyone was hip and cool. And uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think I'm grabbing Joan of Arc and then I'm rehoming her like a feral cat. I think that'll be great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she can teach me sword fighting moves, and I can uh, teach her about psychiatric assistance for <laughs> um, certain she difficulties. She would be very concerned about the fate of Fran, so you'd probably need to make a couple trips just to let her. I don't know if she'd it. be happy or upset. <laughs> no, she'd be good. Really? France is unified and not ruled by the English. She's thrilled. Okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like her one thing that she cared about was Actually, like kicking them the hell that. out. <laughs> Perfect. All right, that's my brilliant plan. We're turning this into a, a time stream search and rescue. <laughs> nice, nice. Which yeah. dangerously close to time heist territory. <laughs> I think Joan of Arc is in our reinventing ah, the time heist. <laughs> yeah, these these are all side stories. <laughs> yes. But uh, Tiger Star, did you did you have a final answer, or were you still like uh, iffy on, I, on like Bismarck for the fun of it? But <laughs> yeah, there'd be so many just purely for the fun of it. I, I really can't think of like who a mentor would be. I, don't know, I guess mm. like Eddie Van Halen, just so he could teach me how to play guitar better. Oh hell no, yeah! Just <laughs> yeah, but like I, I guess if we're counting like cultural figures, but like that's all I can think of. Honestly, I, I do see the one, two, three, four guitars behind you. I I <laughs> am not kit. a proficient musician. It's literally like okay, I'm making a song and I'm just gonna record myself doing one power chord. Let's see, one note, two. No- I only need two for a power chord, right? Mm. Okay, that sounded fine. Okay, I'm I'm never touching that for like a week. <laughs> Electric guitars are uh, they're simultaneously easier and much harder than acoustics because it's really good to get a really powerful sound out of them, but it's hard to get anything that you can actually make out individual notes on. <laughs> Mm. Tell me about it, yeah. Yes. Nice. We've got a pretty fun roster of mentors here, but uh, unfortunately, none of them can prepare us for what comes next, which is, of course, to say Red's attempt at the outro. Red, (laughs) you think Shakespeare couldn't prepare me for my attempt at the outro? I think Shakespeare could try. Light through yonder outro breaks. If if Shakespeare tells you to be off book, you gotta be off book. (laughs) Mm. I don't know if you're gonna be off book by then. Life is but a fictional podcast. Out, out, briefcaster. All right, thanks so much for listening. Uh, As always, we'll be back with regular episodes on Friday, and we'll be back with another one of these bad boys in two weeks. We don't have any specials before then. Two weeks, yeah. Perfect. Um, uh, Tiger Star, I assume we're going to be linking your channel and any other social medias you want us to in the uh, show notes, so everyone check that out. It's a lot of fun. I'm very curious about that video about the garbage history. That sounds like a tire fire and a half and I'm deeply curious about it. It's on the channel. We'll we'll, we'll link it. It's perfect. It, mm-hmm. It's a ride. Yeah. And it has uh, bionicle lore. Ooh. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, the one fandom I managed to completely dodge. Anyway, uh, I think that's basically everything covered. We've got more stuff that we'll announce next episode, but we're not there yet. So I guess until next time, I've been read. I've been Blue and Tiger Star. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this has been an Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on June 1st with another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then, check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube for even more exciting content. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and our special guest Tiger Star's content can be found in the show notes below.